This episode of the podcast has been brought to you by Sweet Cheetah Publicity. Sweet Cheetah is an inclusive, socially conscious PR collective that puts their money where their mouth is. They have a current roster of bands that reads like a greatest hits anthology. Brainiac, Catholic School, Jawbox, The New Amsterdams, Oceans in the Sky. I mean, the list goes on and on. They also do PR for record labels such as A La Carte, Arctic Rodeo, Steadfast, Rad Girlfriend, and so many more. How do they pay it forward? How do they put their money where their mouth is? By generating thousands of dollars in annual charitable donations to the likes of Women in Vinyl, Coalition of Communities of Color, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and many, many more. The man has the receipts. I've seen them. It is real. The artists, labels, and podcasts Sweet Cheetah works with are curated with an eye on working primarily with friends. You could find Sweet Cheetah on all of the social media platforms, be it Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just look for Sweet Cheetah PR and they will be there. He's been Tim. I've been Peter. And Sweet Cheetah has been beautiful. And I would. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter, and I am still here. And tonight, I am so thrilled to finally unearth this episode with Mr. Nat Danger from the band Spaceships. In the midst of my technical difficulties and the massive amount of bands that I interview on a week-to-week basis, this episode did not see the light of day when it should have. It should have shown up a month ago, much to my chagrin, because, and I don't say this lightly, I really love this guy. Nat is a wonderful person with the moral fiber and the political ideologies that line up so, so much with mine own. Um, He is a Christian man who is incredibly pro LGBTQ+, which is something that is uh, a rarefied condition in this day and age. Um, You know, I don't really care where you land on the uh, spirituality spectrum. It's none of my business. But if you pretend to follow the teachings and words of Jesus Christ and you have anything at all against the gay community, you weren't paying attention. In late March, spaceships released an incredible record on Friend Club Records entitled Ruins that broaches space rock, post-punk, post-rock, so many different incredible genres, and they do it so damn well. 
it really stirs something in me. Uh, it's eight songs over the course of approximately 50 minutes. It's a full-length record, and it's a journey. It's not a concept album, but it is unified by similar themes. I love this album. I wish this episode had seen the light of day sooner because this album is that important to me and I hope you give it a listen. I hope you go to friendclubrecords.com and you order a physical copy. I hope you go to wherever you stream music and you download it, you save it, you put it on a playlist. Please like, rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And without further ado, I give to you Nat Danger on the book, A Very, Very Bad Things Podcast. Um, yeah, I apologize. I, I've, I've been having some internet issues as well. So. Ah, but you do have Wish right behind you. I have a lot right behind me, but yes, there is Wish. Wish is, wish is what matters. Wish is what matters. It, it is the reason why my daughter was named what she was named, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Elise? Elise, a letter to Elise. There you yes, go. Sir. Um, uh, I I'll... actually just put, I put that song on my church's like pre-service playlist last week. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And we have, we have a, another person there named Elise. And I'm just waiting for her to figure it out. <laughs> I actually have a very like poorly, uh, it's almost gone, but oh, there's wow. Elise right there on my chest. Nice. I have to get it redone. Uh, nice. I, it's 23 years old almost, the tattoo. But um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm I'm 47 almost. Yeah. And I have a four-year-old son in the bedroom next, and an almost 23-year-old daughter. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty neat little uh, <laughs> uh, uh, difference in age there, but you know. Yeah. Having grown up with The Cure and arriving at Wish in high school, right? it, it was that much more of a revelation. Uh, oh, that, for sure, for sure. That record, like, if, if you are so used to The Cure as, like, uh, this dark entity that wasn't really, like, pop-oriented, it, it would yeah. throw, throw you. But, like, my first, my first taste of The Cure was pop music. You right. know, like they, that's where they started. People right. tend to forget that. Oh yeah. I actually, so, um, I am right towards the maybe tail end. Maybe I'm right in the middle of it, of my first earnest cure phase of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I bought a copy of disintegration years ago, knowing it's an important record. Yeah. Not having heard it and then be like, I really wish I would have heard this when I was 13 because it's like it seems to be the music that is best enjoyed, best consumed with the door locked while trying to create space from the rest of your family and like <laughs> just like letting the angst consume you. But yeah. um, my wife and I have a six month old. And one of the things that has really actually helped her to sleep is the Rockabye Baby Cure Lullaby collection. Yeah. And so uh, and, you know, I've I've been aware of them forever. I've picked up. Uh, I had picked up pornography and kiss me uh, throughout the years. And then listening to all these lullabies, I'm just like, I think I really, I think I actually really, really like the cure. And so 
uh, started going in a deep dive, put on Wish for the first. I had thought it was just like a, like I heard Friday I Am In Love and assumed like, oh yeah, this must be like their pop backlash to disintegration. And I was like, oh no, this is absolutely, they That's went a little descendant. further. They, yeah, they went a little further in a lot of spots. But, and then uh, I I have a podcast as well. And so um, my co-host was like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, let's do a deep dive through the Cure discography. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I had three Cure records when I started. And now I have, uh, well, with including the self-titled in the mail, I have nine. So it's been a, it's been a fruitful endeavor. And, and that's, you have nine and of those nine records, there's eight different bands within the context of the cure. Sure. Yeah. 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 You know, they got to change so much and, right. and that's, well, it's really, it's really just cause Robert Smith gets, just kept getting sick of being pigeonholed. Yeah. And so you had mentioned like, you know, they started as a pop band. I was, you know, listening through the whole thing. I was like, you get to you get through the first five records. I mean, you get. I almost said four because I just I just ignore the top entirely. I just <laughs> I was not impressed. Um, but I feel like they like went down this gloomy path, and he's like, "All right, let's go back to like the fork in the road that was Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. Let's see what's let's see what's down here some more," which I think is just great. And then you know, an album later, he's like, "Well." let's uh let's do a lot of the dark stuff too and and that's the beauty of of right. of the dichotomous nature of the cure and you know it's it's the beauty of the dichotomous nature of what you guys do too because i <laughs> i listen to your music and there's i get so many flavors okay sure uh, and i have no idea what age group all of you lie in but i i'm i'm catching everything from like hints of hum and and quicksand mm. and failure to mm -hmm. e echo in the bunny men and the cure yeah oh, yeah yeah oh, like there's just the, there's there's space rock and and post hardcore and and like that that gloomy 80s post-punk stuff that's all in the mix but you're not trying to ape any of it you're just allowing it to be seasonings of, of a greater sauce and, and that i appreciate yeah. because i get to listen and i get to say ah uh-huh. I see where yeah. I see where this is coming from, but it's not you're not aping anything. You're just allowing it to affect you. And that's important. Yeah, I, I like that. Um it's also funny because in this, like, you know, self-discovery I've been having with the cure, it's like I go back to the songs that I have written, and I'm like, you know what? If I replace this baritone guitar line with a bass six and you know play this little synth part on a selena arp like this is whether it was through the cure or distilled through all the bands that i loved that loved the cure when i was you know that i grew up with because every band i loved loved the cure like there's no yeah. two ways about it and just seeing how that imprint has gone on even to this record that was written before i cared all too much about them you know, yeah. and then, but then, you know, it's, we've always had a pretty wide variety of uh, influences on there. Um, so like we started off very much like kind of a radio heady. It was uh, the first spaceships record was actually supposed to be like my second solo record, but then like mm -hmm. 
I, I changed the name and got uh, guys behind me to help me play it. And then it just became this other monster. And then from there, like, you know, started dragging in influences from uh, like Sigur Rós or This Will Destroy yeah. You. And then, you know, the big Joy Division-y pounding bass lines, um, you know, and then now uh, the probably the biggest shift that happened was uh, in between the writing and recording of our second record, uh, we all kind of realized that we were either all super into metal or getting into metal around the same time. And so the big thing for me was that Sunbather came out. Oh yeah. Uh, that was yeah. a super pivotal record for me, which I know is, uh, you know, maybe a really cliche. Why uh, Deaf Heaven's point. fantastic. Oh <laughs> no, I no, absolutely. And so I had written off, like, you know, I, I listened to a ton of, you know, metal core and stuff in high school. Yeah. And, you know, got to college and like, got into Radiohead and folk rock and, you know, indie, hey, the, mount, the, the mountain goats rule. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually am just now starting down the mountain goats with uh, beat the champ. I'm so not dug any further. There. I'm so I'm not any further there. there. I think beat the champ is that's a fun record. That's, oh, a, that's a, a I'm a big fucker that record. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big wrestling fan. And so yeah. that's, that's real fun. But, um, but no, so, but, you know, I had assumed, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, like metal is juvenile, whatever. It's I don't need, I don't, I'm, I'm grown past that. I don't need any of that, you know. Mm. And then, um, somebody there came out and you couldn't ignore it anywhere. Like it was yeah. on NPR was talking about it, you know. And so I'm like, okay, fine. I'll give a, I'll give this record a listen. And the first time I actually read a review, I got as far as the words black metal, and then I just like closed out of the tab. And yeah. then it was like weeks and months are going by and I keep hearing about this record. And then I'm like, I go back to review. I'm like, okay, let me, let me read this in earnest. And then it's like, okay, black metal, post-rock, shoegaze. I'm like, oh, tell me this, tell me this. And, you know, that was just a huge entryway in expanding my mind of what heaviness could be and how those flavors could uh be seasoned in the sauce as you said yeah uh in a way that wasn't like the uh you know like uh as i lay dying or something like that or sure. atreyu or like you know the kind of like buddy metalcore it's it's too broy. like yeah talking, yeah, yeah, yeah i'm wearing a sick of it all flannel like i mean and i'm saying <laughs> broy, but like i grew up with hardcore yeah. you know i grew up with gorilla yeah. biscuit sick of it all that's not as broy as people think it is but like right. when, you, when you get to as I lay dying and all that stuff, uh, as yeah. much as much as like it's heavy and it's fun, it's broy and it's like yeah. when, when jocks got into hardcore, and I'm <laughs> sure. not okay. I'm not fucking okay with that. That's yeah, the point where I, I was like, <laughs> I'm out. You know, I like I went from hardcore to f like right when Radiohead, uh, the bands yeah. came out and, oh, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. all that. Like as an Anglophile, as a Smiths freak. <laughs> or or an oasis head as well this stuff sure. it just made sense to me right but uh you know when sunbather came out i'd already been in a band that had a had kind of like embraced the you know the cross section of where fugazi and and oh, like yeah. may mayhem meet but oh, sure. we, didn't, we didn't do it as well as they did yeah My yeah goodness, yeah what a phenomenal uh yeah yeah it, it, like they just embraced everything that was good about left of the dial music right 
and, and and they did it with an intelligence and yeah almost an austerity that that made it speak to everyone that's why it was on npr that's why it was inescapable right. you know what i mean yeah um i think it makes sense as far as what you guys are doing as well i can see how that could uh you know kind of be congruent with your later work but to me what really shines through and you you guys may not have even been listening to it but like bands like quicksand bands like hum bands yeah. that, you know I love hum innovators yeah. in their fields yeah. you know quicksand changed hardcore so did hum oh for sure yeah they, they made it into something that was like conducive to artistic thought and interpretation mm -hmm. i listen to your music i hear that stuff yeah. I hear, and i hear failure bands like failure especially because right. they were really toying with the po the uh, space rock of it all right 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 yeah fantastic planets big huge, oh, great God. record i saw them on that on that tour opening for tool oh man that's a what lineup <laughs> yeah <laughs> well they were in a band together the replicants are you familiar no that's crazy ken andrews and uh kelly scott and uh oh oh boy um i'm trying to remember it was two members of tool as well and they did a handful like maybe like 12 or 13 covers that like went through like the beatles david bowie all the way into <laughs> yeah. like t-rex and stuff like that sure. and they named themselves the replicants for two reasons one they are recreating songs of the past but also yeah. an ode to blade runner uh, right of course so yeah the, i mean <laughs> that tour caused that record and That's it's not wild. even on streaming services but if you can ever like search youtube for the replicants yeah 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 you Crazy. will love you will love it <laughs> you will love it absolutely but yeah. if you could kind of take me back to like the uh you know the zygote of this band like your first iteration you, you'd said it was like your your second solo album yeah. essentially right yeah so i had this record that i'd worked on through college uh finally was released like the february after i graduated uh called um uh, the sparrow and the whale and it was like kind of like a lo-fi folky thing i really didn't have the like intelligence to talk like describe it in that way at that point like i had just become aware of like neutral milk hotel and stuff like that by the time i was releasing and the, it's songs that i had been writing all through college i think most of them were like two or three years old by the time that it was re released uh, and I, that was actually what was released was like the second draft of that album. I got a MacBook and redid the whole thing in GarageBand because the the old freeware Windows program use, I was using was just terrible. And so um, <laughs> redid all these songs and uh, moved in with uh, a friend in Chicago who had like this huge record collection and was super into uh like post-punk and kraut rock and shoegaze and space rock and all that and like exposed me to can and sonic youth and joy division and new order and bauhaus and you know all these uh really uh, uh sun Ra was another big one oh nice uh, that I, he I had on all the time craft work was how about chrome I, I have a feeling you listen to chrome and all of that um maybe at some point it's man there was just so much on the turntable all the time mm. um craftwork was another big one oh yeah just realizing it was like something that 
it because you know electronic music is everywhere now yeah. but hearing something that actually sounds like it was created by machines but was still so organic in a way was uh just super great and so that really influenced the production of it and then also kind of changed the stuff that i was writing for the next thing and so um the next album that i was working on it was it became like a big massive like 70 minute concept album almost uh <laughs> and not not like a you know concept but like very thematically united yeah. album that was very much like in the line of like um like Radiohead's Amnesiac or uh, like Embryonic by the Flaming Lips there, which is like the really, really dark, really grooving record that they have. It's oh yeah. It's, it's uh, man. I wish that they would do more of that. It's the antithesis <laughs> of the soft bulletin. Yeah. 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 As much I, I, I love the soft bullets. I love but, both of them. Yeah. Those are my two favorite Flaming Lips records. Yeah. But um, you know, just went and just was so like, uh, in my head, I, I was working on this record for three years and there was a lot of change going on. You know, I'm, I'm moving home. I'm getting married I'm moving out. I'm getting a new job. I'm getting laid off from that job. I'm going to another job and whatever. And it's like this is all this different uh, stuff that's going on and uh, kind of um, preventing me from, <laughs> you know, work, giving it the kind of work that I want to. But at the same time, uh, I am, you know, kind of chasing that rabbit that was introduced to me in chicago and i'm getting into stuff like deer hunter and my bloody valentine was a huge one yeah. my bloody valentine was a I massive massive yeah 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 so um you know when i when i after uh like a year three years of just multi-tracking stuff by myself uh one of the big parts about that was i was working at a church there that had five services and we had two on saturday three on sunday there was a Wednesday night thing that I was doing. There was, you know, my Thursdays were up with practice. My Sunday nights were with the youth. And, you know, every once in a while we'd have a Friday thing. And it was just, this didn't, wasn't conducive to playing out, playing these songs out at all. And so I basically had released the album before and then started working for this other church. And then just couldn't play it out at all, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's like all my time is there. And so um, there are some some friends of ours on staff who were going to start a new church, which is uh, 10 years ago now. And it was like in a meeting when we were talking about that, I'm just, you know, preparing for this album to come out and also preparing to start this church and looking like, all right, we got one service. We got one service. That's it. That's all we got. All right. I. I'm going to, I'm going to change. Okay. I'm changing the name. Cause I hate the name. It was a rocket named justice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I started hating saying it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to shorten it up. going to go spaceships. It's snappy. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to get some guys to help me play this. And so found a couple friends. Uh, one of them was a guy in my worship team. Uh, and then another, oh, so you're Christian too. Uh, yeah. Like me the too. bad kind. No, no, I'm Christian Great. as well. That, Great, I'm rad. Just, there you go. All right, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, but no, so uh, just had a friend from church play drums, and then uh, there's so Ben, who is currently our guitarist, he was originally our bassist, was uh, he was my waiter at Steak and Shake one night. 
that's awesome. When I was, it was when I was working on my first album and I was waiting for a friend and it was, you know, it was college. I'm just living out of my bag. And so I have my laptop everywhere I go and I, you know, pull it out, put on my headphones and I start mixing and he's like, Oh, Hey, you working on music. Let me hear some of that. Oh, that's rad. Let me, let's stay in touch. And then like, send me a friend request on Facebook. And then <laughs> years later, when I like put out a call to like, Hey, I need people to help me play this. It's like, Oh dude, I'll do whatever you want. And he has. He, he actually played drums at the very first spaceship show. Um, and, uh, but you know, it, as soon as we got these other guys in the room with me, I realized like, this is a totally different thing than what I'd been trying to put to tape. It sound like this is a completely different monster. It's completely different energy than what I thought it was. And for, I've come around to it now. Um, but for a while, I regretted that I hadn't heard the songs played in a room before I had released the album, before I'd finished the album. Yeah. Because there are some things that we did live that even, even playing it like it was on the tape, it's just such a different energy. It's like, I wish I could have, it has I wish I could have captured this. Yeah. I wish I could have known how to capture this. Uh, and again, I've come around to that now. I, I think it's a, it's, I'm re I, I, not, I'm really proud of that record at this point now, but you know, the, the thing that we were trying to do completely changed when other guys got their hands on it. And so, um, you know, gone through some lineup changes in the interim, uh, and then, uh, now we're, we actually just, we have our first show with a new drummer tomorrow. <laughs> so oh, wow. the drummers and their timing, we got an album coming no out. No pressure. <laughs> we got an album coming out in two weeks new drummer let's go um wow but it's it's a friend of the band who's been around for a while uh he actually the our bassist brett and i uh, are on the board of a local nonprofit coffee house that does a bunch of diy shows and stuff and so he uh our new drummer Devin, is also on that board and helps book shows there as well and so and you know works in a studio and has helped book festivals and so is a great guy to have on your side in yeah. that but and a hell of a drummer um but you know just just seeing you know how that energy is and then chasing that to go like you know okay each each release trying to get a little further down the all right let's take so like the kind of spacey parts let's make those even more spacey the ambient parts let's make them even more ambient those big parts let's make them bigger than we can and so it's, and they're, you know, great guys to come along and help me do it. Cause, um, it's funny because right before the pandemic, we were getting really, we were starting to finally get real democratic with our writing process or working our way there. And then, you know, lockdown happened. I'm like, I'm not going to write an album. I'm it not becomes gonna. insular right then and there. Right. Yeah. And so I tried really hard to avoid it. Like I, picked up my old high school band's songs and like, it was like, I'm going to record an EP out of these that we never did. And I'm going to finish that other solo record, <laughs> uh, new project nativity. That's uh, now out. Um, and I'm going to, you know, I started a remote band with some other band with some other friends from across the country. And like, we wrote a, we wrote a full length. And then I still ended up writing a spaceship's full length. <laughs> so yeah. it was just like, I, the last thing I wanted to do was to like get back with these guys once everything had kind of calmed down and be like, all right, uh, here are your parts. But you know, it's just kind of the way that it happened. And you know, when um, I heard, when I heard nativity too, I didn't, yeah. 
like I, I, I knew, I kind of knew or had an inkling that there was a Christian behind that, but mm. you know, you can't really take that for granted either because you know, people have there, their, their issues with, yeah. you know, uh, especially the Catholic church, which I came out of Catholicism, but sure. I, I also found my way to faith when I left Catholicism. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But you, you know, now that, now that, you say this, it, it makes things make a lot more sense to me. Yeah. You know what I mean, I, th yeah. I think that's a beautiful piece of music, the entirety of it. Well, thank you very much. It was a, it was a traumatic experience to go through and I'm glad I could make some beautiful <laughs> music out of it. <laughs> well, tra you know, trauma does sort of, it, yeah. uh, it's a, it's a great motivator, sadly. Right. Well, and so like people sometimes ask me like, when are you going to do some new nativity stuff? It's like, listen, I, so I have one full length and I have one EP. The mm -hmm. EP is about the death of my cousin who I didn't really know because he was gay and my family was conservative and oh. the distance between those two kept us apart until we were, until I was an adult. Yeah. And then he died and I wrote the CP. And then we have the full length that was written after I suffered a home invasion on Christmas night and thought I was going to die in my living room in a chokehold. So like, are you sure you want me to write more nativity stuff? Cause I don't know if I can handle it. You know, I, I hope you could just write nativity <laughs> stuff and it's not like something, you know, completely and utterly traumatizing. Because <laughs> right. It's, yeah. It, no, <laughs> it's all beautiful. Yeah, it's really, honestly, it came out of a place where um, Spaceships was going and because the Nativity full length that exists now was written maybe eight years ago and finally released two years ago. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, but what had really happened was that, uh, you know, we were playing some shows and we had, you know, hit the ground really hard to like learn these songs in the album start to write some new stuff and then get to the point where we were like playing around town a bunch played some local festivals and then just everybody got super busy our drummer was working 60 70 hours a week and then ben was working two jobs trying to save up money to get married and it's just like i want to work on stuff man i want to work on stuff but and so i just was like here are a bunch of riffs that i'm sitting making on a on a open tune guitar <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me see what I can do with these, and then and then I had a home invasion and thought I was gonna die, and so I was like, oh, there are the words I found them. <laughs> so, so somebody literally got into your house and put you in a chokehold just to take stuff. Yeah. So a guy knocked on our door and asked. Uh, ben was actually living with us at the time, and so knocked on our door and asked if Ben was there, and I said no, and he just walked down the street like he didn't wasn't parked anywhere that we could see his car. Mm. We're like, that's weird, whatever. And then he came back a few minutes later with somebody else, asked for him again, and was like, well, could you call him? And I'm like, you know, trying to blow this guy off and whatever, and trying to figure out. And I just looked down at my phone, and they rush in and uh, I'm fighting back and they're like, Oh, you're going to get shot. So I just freeze up and, you know, get put in a chokehold. And the other guy goes and steals Ben's money that he had. He was very loose lipped about the fact that he had a bag full of $8,000 cash in his bottom dresser drawer be that he was saving for his wedding and his tuition and stuff because, and I quote banks are for suckers. So <laughs> oh, man, he's, he's in <laughs> finance now. <laughs> he's uh, actually my, he's actually my financial advisor. Wow. <laughs> Can we talk about your finances? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm transferring my Roth IRA right now. <laughs> yeah. 
but you know, yeah. they they weren't there for you then. They were after. They were after. No, Manic. they were. Yeah, they were just there for the money. And I think the first one was just making sure that it was the right house or whatever. But mm -hmm. but yeah. So um, but it was snowing too. So like, my wife hid in the basement and called the cops, and they just followed the tracks over to the guy and like tased him while he was trying to climb a fence. And so he buckled over the fence, and then a dog bit him. So I was like. Wow. All right. Okay. That is good. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Surely, surely he will smite the wicked. <laughs> well, listen, I, I, I have to just, and it's nothing to do with anything, but <laughs> I, I recently just, and it's nothing compared to what you just went through or, or spoke about going through, by the way, but um, Tim from Sweet Cheetah, it's one of my yeah. best friends. I just texted him about this this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last night I had to go and get my windshield replaced and it was $500 deductible with my insurance yeah. and I was bemoaning that but I went spent this money got the uh, windshield replaced and within 30 minutes I'm a plumber by trade my neighbors knocking on the door saying listen I just had my hot water line explode in my basement oh geez could you please come over and help me out I said absolutely I go over, I, I, I solder in two joints, very simple, very quick. I come home and there's that amount of money in cash in my tool bag. Wow. There God, you go. God is good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's, it's, I know it's whatever, but God yeah. is good. God is no, good. No, I mean, yeah, I got, you know, I've heard all sorts of stories like that. Got some. Yeah, I, I bought a van on Craigslist on my way out to the Grand Canyon after my own car broke down and then broke down several times and was rescued in the desert by the ne literally the next car that passed us. And so it's I got some <laughs> and got back got back home in on that eight hundred dollar van. So I've I've seen I've seen. Yeah, there there's just you can't really uh, call it a an according to Hoyle miracle, but. Yeah. There, are, there are signs up to something for certain yeah but um when uh when is this new record coming out uh it is out march 24th which is coming way fast god it's two weeks from tomorrow as of the recording of this podcast so wow that's i'm I think it's the first time that I've realized it's that close. <laughs> now, are you self-releasing this? Do you have a label behind it? What's going on with that? Uh, we are releasing it through Friend Club Records. Oh, nice. Um, nice. The, they did so, the single, right? The split single? Uh, yeah, Spilt. Yeah. Um, and then they also did the split that we did with our friends, Analecta. They did yeah. uh, our uh, last record, uh, Pillars, as well. Uh, did a cassette for that, did distro and the vinyl. And uh, Rob's a good friend. Uh, we've been in a group chat together for five-ish years at this point. And, you know, even before pandemic, like he, and we all met in like a Facebook group on about like Midwest emo. And yeah, uh, they're just some of us just got real close. And so we're in this, you know, with, you know, five or six other guys. And he, bunch of guys are in you know have been in bands or are in bands and so and rob has for years just been like you know what i 
I don't have talent, but I would, I would really love to like help people release, like who have talent at some point. And so he'd been kicking around the idea for quite a few years. And then the pandemic hit and he was like, I got nothing better to do. <laughs> so yeah. he launched a short, a small run cassette label and started off just like putting out music from people from that same Facebook group. Uh, and you know, it's, it's just grown to the point now where I believe that our record is FCR 101, uh, which is insane to yeah. have that many releases in three years. Um, well, and so it's, it's just been a really, they've been, a, he's been a re really great partner for us, uh, throughout the time. And, you know, it's one of those things where we have no intention of, you know, pressing 5,000 records and going on huge international tours and playing stadiums, whatever, like we all got kids, we've all, you know, got jobs, we've got obligations here that, you know, we're, we're pretty all right. We just want to like play some song, write some songs, record them and get them out to folks and, you know, play a couple out of town shows a year, whatever, like maybe some short runs here and there, but, uh, he's been a real great partner for that to help us reach that ambition. Um, so and and when you look at it you're in fantastic company on that label because the, i mean you got wet tropics that's john rabo so i mean good. come on um, yeah all the way to like um oh man there's some like heavy duty like metal core grates on that label and <laughs> and uh it's just such a great mixed bag yeah like no stone is left unturned insofar as like anyone who loved or enjoyed hardcore and punk in the 90s yeah there's something there for you it's it's like the entire like punk and indie diaspora is on display there and yeah in like full regalia <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so he's he's often said that his like guiding principle is just you know because you start a label and like you know you try to find like what's your identity like is it an emo label is it a indie rock labels at a punk labels at a hip hop label, whatever. And his guiding principle for the last, I think it was maybe a year ago that he, uh, felt like this is it was uh, just good, good music by good people. Yeah. And it's like, that's, you know, that's as good. As, that's all you could ask for really. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great group. Uh, we've, the, there's the, a, a a chat with all the bands on the roster that's just always popping off and you know getting to know the other folks on the label and then also seeing like what those other people are doing and so like you know you got folks like painted light and least and riot for romance and bad lives and resignation it's just like all the, just all constantly constantly on slow is another one phil from eugenius i mean oh eugenius is incredible i do phenomenal. not know I say to Phil all the time, I'm like, how do you have this in your head that you can get it out? He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Uh, he's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And, you know, and, and then it's just, you know, all these folks are just, you know, we're just, we're just here making music and just supporting each other doing it. And, you know, that's, that's all people can really do for you in, you know, 2023. Like, you know, we've, we've been doing the, um, the self distro thing for a while yeah. and you know, but, uh, just the, the 
kind of community that you can put behind when you have other like-minded artists that you're just in contact with and just in in this community with on the label and you know people from norway and ukraine and russia and you know everywhere yeah <laughs> so it's it's a it's a worldwide label and i have no idea how he pulled that off but everybody's but great and everybody's kind he did it by you know being uh, I, I guess you can put it like he's almost like a radio DJ. He's he's a yeah. He's a curator. He's a curator. He's accumulating yeah. Um, yeah. a roster of of people who are open minded enough to align themselves with what he's doing. Ergo, creating maybe not a scene, but but almost an aesthetic. Yeah, by not being aesthetically similar. Yeah, sure. If that makes sense to to me, yeah. yeah. It all makes sense yeah. together, even though it doesn't match and it doesn't right. have to. Yeah. So like the, the on second thought compilations that he's put out is just yeah. like, this is a very weird mishmash of like, what's dirt money doing on here? Yeah. <laughs> and, but, that, but it's incredible, you know, like, you know, in band, it's just, oh God, everybody's so good. Drowning man's on that label now. Uh, yeah. He's done <clears> some reissues out there. And he did a, what was the, um, man, I'm, I'm not, I'm blanking on the name. Oh, Dennis and Mars. Yeah. Uh, he did a tape release of the first Dennis and Mars record. It was just like, man, this is nuts, man. It's just, and released some stuff for Emery and Showbread. And it's just, he did a, he did a run of uh, like exclusive Furnace Fest tapes uh, yeah. for a couple of years ago. And it's just like, this is, <clears throat> it's just one of those things where it's like, it's all the stuff that you, so many people are like, I want to be able to do this. I just don't know how I would pull it off. And I think Rob's just like, well, I'll just ask him. <laughs> and then people are willing to play ball more often than not. That And, and that's all it really took. Just having the gumption to yeah. go out and, and ask someone, Hey, you want to do this? Yeah. 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 Well, we're not doing anything else with it. Why not? And <laughs> sure. boom, uh, because sadly, I think in this day and age, uh, you know, like there, there's no model for being a lucrative independent entity. In the 90s and early 2000s, we had, yeah. you know, examples of, of everyone from like Victory and Revelation to Relapse Records being like a big deal at one point. You yeah. know, even though they're like, like Relapse is like from an hour south of me, they're just you know, a little grindcore label that could and, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, sign neurosis and start to get bigger and bigger and bigger right? and build up that head of steam that there was that tipping point where Napster, you know, kind of like cut the legs out from under everyone there. There was that. And I think also it was, um, you come into the nineties and everybody's trying to sign the next Nirvana. Yeah. And so you're throwing major label contracts at bands like Jawbox and Sam Drive I am. like and yeah. Sam I am and Drive Drive like Jehu Sonic Youth was on a major label. They were on a major label before Nirvana was. <laughs> right. Right. But like you but you know th that was the big chance and then Nirvana paid off in a huge way and then yeah. you have the point where like downward spiral was a major label release melancholy yeah. and the infinite sadness was a major label release 
and people are just throwing out all this money hoping that they're going to find that next thing and then it stopped paying off yeah. you know there wasn't there wasn't a next nirvana it didn't happen and so no. all the labels were like now nah, whatever we're going to go back to boy bands and girl groups and whatever and so and uh, jawbreaker jawbreaker dear you oh, which is man. an achievement completely had uh, the inertia taken out from beneath it because it didn't move a million units but right. it was still like i remember the day it came out buying it on blue vinyl and like like <laughs> just being in love with this record because i've i've been in love with jawbreaker since jawbreaker's been jawbreaker and looking at it and just being so in touch and, and in sync with the with the existence of this record and it just withered on the vine yeah. that's the bad part about the, the the big indie boom of that era right what's great about this era is sure you may not sell five thousand copies of your record but if you sell like two thousand the two thousand people who buy it are really gonna like it it's not gonna sit there and just fester yeah. it's gonna be a part of their lives it's gonna be a tactile experience they're gonna um they're going to spiritually connect with this in in a, in a way that your fair weather fan who just right. like I just like what I hear on the radio they're sure. not they're not involved they're actually yeah. cut they're not cool enough to be involved anymore <laughs> yeah I mean we're only pressing a hundred copies so think right. of how intimate that's going to be and but I know I know it sounds minuscule but in all actuality the, the there's an avenue for it and it makes it special. Yeah, and I think that part of that is the the monoculture has kind of evaporated. And yeah. so, you know, even 10 years ago, everybody's going to the theater and watching the same movies. Everybody's hearing the same songs on the radio. Whereas like, you know, now like you hear about somebody like Bad Bunny and you're like, who the hell is Bad Bunny? And they're like, oh, he's the most streamed artist on Spotify in yeah. the world. And you said in the in the world this guy that i've never heard of is the most streamed artist in the world yeah what, how, how did and you know and there is a there's a sketch on snl a few weeks ago that was like kind of like a like a movie and trivia show and skit and it was basically this whole thing it was like all right this netflix show is stars whatever whatever in this description and like is it whatever is like no i'll give you a hint it's the most streamed title on Netflix. And it's like, nobody knows. Cause there's just so much content on there. Yeah. And so it's, it's this thing where I think everybody has splintered down into their own little niches. And, you know, I last year trying to put together a year end list was insanity. And, you know, I have tons of friends who are making their own year endless, all like music nerds as big as me. Mm -hmm. And well, maybe not as big as me, but um, also music nerds. But, you know, everybody's talking, even even making like top top 20s, top 50s. I made a top 50 last year, which is the yeah. first year I've ever it was an insane amount of music came out. And I'm looking at all these friends who like we're into the same stuff and we maybe have five records in common wow and it's like how did i not even hear of all the stuff that's on your like we have the same top five but then everything under here is like and it's not like the top five is like super 
my <laughs> my top two were like Holy Fawn and Brutus. Is like yeah. those aren't exactly like unit movers <laughs> as much as I love both of them. Yeah. Like they're not household names. They're not making the Billboard chart. Uh, you know, but it's I think that's fine because there's you don't need to engage with everything, and you don't need everybody to engage with you. You need uh, to to invest in the stuff that makes an impact on you and you know to hope as an artist that you can get some of that back that you can get some of that reciprocity back so well and 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 speaking to that i think the model you're currently using uh it is going to imbue that reciprocity because there it's a very limited opportunity to have that tactile experience of owning like having it in your hand like it the physical copy yeah exists in your world it's not it's not ether it's not just listening to it on a streaming service you have it it's yours right you get to look at it smell it whatever yeah. that used to mean something especially to my generation being that mm -hmm. i'm like way closer to 50 than i am to 40. <laughs> but uh you know what i mean like the, we look look behind me i have over right seven thousand pieces of vinyl <laughs> in, in my collection that i've been collecting since the mid 80s yeah but you know like i i fetishized that i always did just i can have this i can it's it's mine there is no escaping the fact that i this belongs to me i will yeah. always have this so that got lost along the way. Uh, so, of course, you're not going to be able to sell so many physical units. But the people who do are going right. to feel the same way that I do. Yeah. And that, that's a very, very beautiful connection to another living spirit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that, can't, that can't be lost on you. As a, as a fellow musician, it's not lost no, on you. Absolutely not. And it's it's crazy. When, when Pillars came out, our last record... Um, which was, you know, the first one that we had with much of a much of an energy behind us. Like Son of Man was, we had a pretty decent out turnout for that one, but it was also like at that point our reach was almost incredibly local. We actually just sold the last copy that we had of that record last week, which is, mm -hmm. you know, it came out in 2016. So <laughs> right, right, we only made a hundred. So, um, but uh, you know, we put out pillars and i'm getting all the i'm you know fulfilling all the merch myself at that point and so i'm getting orders from you know germany and the uk and austria and i'm just like how how are you how are you finding this like this is all right there's a guy out in alaska who has ordered everything that we have ever made <laughs> and that's he, amazing but that, that's that's there's there's like a, a an intimacy yeah, you you get you have the opportunity to have some kind of like personal interaction with everyone who really 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 likes what you do. Right. And like nothing's more punk rock than that. No, I I, I don't I think can't so. I can't stress that enough to like my listeners to like musicians and fans at large if you love a band that has the time for you. Yeah. Dear god, that's a beautiful thing. That's Yeah. That's, that's and, what got me into punk. Right. And uh, my favorite band of the world, uh, hands down, for years has been Me Without You. And mm -hmm. that's something that they are famous for. Renowned. <laughs> you know, renowned the, for it. Yeah. Absolutely renowned for, you know, I I saw them. It was, it's, 
what a weird, what a weird thing. I saw them three times in the space of five months and then I not again for 10 years. Yeah. But <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. Maybe I don't know what happened, but um, I think I just forgot that I could like buy concert tickets for a while. But uh, like around the second or third one of those shows in a run, like I'm waiting in line and Greg Jahanian comes up behind me and like gives me a hug on yeah. his way to buy a burrito. And I'm like, oh, hey, Greg, whatever. Which like Greg also, uh, we actually did a cover set of Brother Sister this past December. And there were some bass parts that we were having a hard time figuring out. So I said, uh, hey, Greg, could you <laughs> could you maybe help out? Did you teach and, me this? <laughs> no, and he he honest to God, he sent us uh the video tutorial that he sent uh Dom who filled in for him while he was on sabbatical. It it, it is just like just absolutely generous out of the bottom of his heart. And yeah. just that meant so much more. That's meant so much more to so many fans than maybe anything they could have ever put on record. You know, because if if those guys weren't those guys, the music they made would only take them so far. I, I can tell you uh, with a great degree of certainty that, you know, I've been a sunny day real estate fan since their, oh, first, yeah. seven, their first seven inch came out. Oh, yeah. But they broke up. They come back. How it feels to be something on comes out and they're on tour for it. It's their second or third date on the tour. It's in New York. Uh, two of my best friends, one of which is no longer with us, and I go mm -hmm. to see them on the tour. And we get to talking to Jeremy and they're not Christian, but Jeremy and I are. Yeah. And, every, and everyone else is just, we all hit it off. So we go out to the bar together and enjoy each other's company. And that's not going to happen if I run into uh, the Foo Brett Fighters Michael. or Brett Michaels or <laughs> as much as I love the Foo I, Fighters and, and Nate Mandel's in the Foo Fighters. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, I appreciate that you that you chose the nega, the I, I nega to, day real estate. <laughs> I would have to, right? Especially what they did to, uh, you know, William. <laughs> but um, uh, I... I'm not going to have that experience with those bands, but with Sunday day real estate, that is a yeah. distinct possibility. You me know what I mean? You, yeah. Me without you stayed at my college roommate's house one night. Chamberlain stayed at my house. They need, right. They just needed a spot and they're like, Oh yeah, I've got a basement. And they're like, okay, great. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've, you know, I've hosted house shows in various times, you know, pre pandemic and pre child. I have all sorts of bands through my house, comrades and servants mm -hmm. and, uh, um, Anchor Collective from Florida and Kevin Schlereth, who has toured everything, you know, just all these, all these random bands playing through. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, and I, I book a DIY venue yeah. I had mentioned before, and these aren't like, maybe there's some big names that we're going to get down there. Like, you know, we, we know the guys in Cloakroom, mm -hmm. they live near us and, you know, they're, a great band. And so, you know, we're going to try to get them over here, but also it's like the guys who are, you know, going to sell, you know, 200 monthly listeners on Spotify or something like that. And they just need a spot on, on the night. You know, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is where I want to live yeah. is with these guys. Like, I don't need to chase down, you know, 
these bands that are going and doing all these tours you know, thrice like i don't need to try to get thrice to play in my <laughs> in my diy punk basement uh they got their own thing going on but yeah. you know all these kids that grew up listening to thrice and are gonna play a play some pretty good rock and roll yeah i'll i'll, I'll bring those in all day uh, something tells me you'd probably be able to get thrice though <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this is a, this is an exclusive, I'm going to okay. drop this exclusive bit on this podcast. Okay. Um, our very first, so spilt features Ryan Osterman from Foley Fawn. Absolutely thrilled that we could get him. Uh, but I will say he, he was our second choice and our first choice was Dustin Kensrue. Oh, yes. Uh, and I found uh, I have a friend who knows their live manager and kind of passed it along the pipe and it died with the live manager. He was like, uh, he, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. That's a shame because, but what's funny is that then Ryan ended up being on the artist in the ambulance revisited. Yeah. So now we're only a degree apart. That's your, that's your six degrees of Kevin Bacon right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say like, that first Dustin Kensrue solo record is utterly gorgeous. Yeah. It is utterly gorgeous. Yeah. Nothing to do with us, but it is beautiful. <laughs> um, but like yeah. with, with everything that like you're doing though, like this isn't like you're in a very rarefied position to affect, you know, not just the lives of like punk rock kids, but, but, culture in your area that can't be lost on you you know that that you're oh, no you know in tune with that and with the new record coming out i mean to still be that vital at this point in your life has to be invigorating well it was until you made me made me think of why i might not be this vital you are this vital i'm not <laughs> i'm listen i am not at 47 years old, I am not doing all that you're doing for right. the music community. I'm doing a podcast. I miss my band. Yeah. I haven't seen yeah. them. I can't tell you how long. Uh, we're still a band. We haven't broken up, but we haven't done right. anything. And like, like Radiohead. Like Radiohead. I'm yeah. just yeah. Ra raising my kid, being <laughs> ridiculously in love with my wife and, yeah. and just living life. But yeah. No, and, and so we we're we're out here in south bend indiana uh it is right at the like if you basically take indianapolis north and you crash into michigan that's that's south bend right there yeah i grew up i grew up a quarter mile away from michigan border uh to give you a, a sense and it's like this weird kind of isolated pocket from the rest of the state um because it's it's a indiana is often called the middle finger of the south uh <laughs> and it is in a lot of ways but south bend is a pretty a uh, progressive town, um, not necessarily always uh, politically, but in you know, the people who are live here, there are some incredibly um, effective and active organizations in the area, uh, and also a ton of artists in various mediums. And so, one of the, I mean, it, and it's not a huge town. We have a population of a hundred thousand, and then you know the there's kind of a conglomerate of cities where, you know, that are just kind of all around operating as one community. Uh, you know, there might be 300,000 around like close by if you, if you look at all those, but 
it's in that sweet spot where it's still really accessible to do things like we my wife and i uh have we're this year we're actually not partnering with the city as much as we have before but we have organized an arts and music festival in a nearby park by the shop that she runs uh with the parks department actually approached us to do this because we we had been throwing it in our parking lot and um we've been doing this every year with almost exclusively local artists and musicians the first the first time i did it everybody lived within two miles of the stage <laughs> all the bands lived within two miles and but so it's it's this it's small enough that it's accessible to do things and like things aren't you know you can call up a real estate agent be like hey can i use this area for a day for whatever and then like yeah sure whatever you call up a business owner just use a space whatever and usually they're pretty accessible you know it's not like chicago where you would call somebody and then you have to go through five levels of uh receptionists or whatever <laughs> to yeah. find the shell corporation that owns the shell corporation that owns this plot of land <laughs> but at the same time there's enough people here and enough talent here that you can build something and we have helped build something thriving and vibrant uh, that is unlike just about any place I've ever seen. And so, you know, you, people always talk about Austin and Portland, but it's no. been a long time since Austin and Portland have been commercialized and corporatized and commodified. And you it, know, here it, it's, it's Silicon Valley part two at this point yeah exactly over but, there it is <laughs> right but you know we're we're in this place and we're not necessarily on any lists of be best art cities in the in the country i think we actually were i think we were like in some top 25 list for artists or whatever um but you know there is this absolutely vibrant community that's thriving that wasn't always here and it was uh pretty intentionally built by uh, a few friends of mine that I was luckily and lucky enough to move home from Chicago to to help them do what they were doing yeah. and now you know one of the one of those people was uh, our friend Patrick who is for a long time been running this DIY space on his own uh, before he invited us to help out on the board this past year and you know some other folks who are local artists uh, our friend jonathan uh who is a fantastic artist who now lives in chicago but it was cheaper for him to buy a house here and use that as a studio on the weekends than it was to rent a studio in chicago of course <laughs> and of course so, and we're only 100 miles away from chicago it's not like it's a big drive but um you know and then we have you know just and that's that's just been growing and so you know we we started doing stuff 11 years ago 12 years ago saying people like you know what i think there could be a really strong community here if people stuck around and invested in it and for the first few years people looked at us like our heads were on backwards but you know when we're when my wife and i are on our eighth year of a festival that we do with the city it gets hard it gets hard to ignore it you, you know you can't deny it at that yeah. point it gets it gets hard to ignore it and so it's really exciting to be because also like our heart is even regionally even outside of the city is for diy you know we want to we want to be a part of the diy community and help out and 
you know, edify and encourage as we can across our friends who are also just putzing around touring from coffee shop to coffee shop, basement to basement. So, and, and, you know, like your state is not a stranger to this sort of, of vibration because Chamberlain's from there. Like we have so many examples of great bands from yeah. that general area. It, it doesn't seem far afield for me, but you know, I've been through there. I've, I've been to shows, you know, in, in that area. Yeah. It makes sense to me. I think what I would like my listeners especially to know is that these these scenes, these movements, these bands are from places that you're not maybe 100% familiar with. Yeah. But but like it's still vibrant and thriving and and an accepting and beautiful place for people to exist in. And this could be your hometown too. Yeah. You just need to invest in it. Yeah. And you don't have to invest money. You just have to invest maybe yourself in it. Yeah. First. Yeah. It's, it's getting into the community. Yeah. It's getting in and getting to know the other people who are like-minded, the other people who could help what you're doing, the people who you could help what they're doing and mutually build each other up. Yeah. So, and it's, it's going to be like really, really interesting to hear uh what this new i haven't heard the new record yet oh um at all but i am really interested to hear what's going to happen next because if i'm gauging it correctly which i'm probably not but but from the past two records into the most recent and and now i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling like you're going to get a lot more uh artsy on the new album that that's my prediction anyway (laughs) well i'll yeah because you went heavy you went heavy you went yeah you you went from a place like it 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 got more aggressive and and you know you started to feel yourselves a little bit more and then it got heavier which added a great dynamic to the sound um where do you go from there you have to have the you know heavier the the heavier but like (laughs) deeply like you're gonna go into yourself at one point and like We've seen the yeah. Smashing Pumpkins do it. We've seen right. Pink Floyd do it. Like, yeah. We've seen he, The Cure do it. We've seen The Cure do it multiple times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one, one thing that's interesting about this record is that it's the first record uh, since I've had other people playing with me that hasn't been tracked live. Um, everything else, because I was in my head, in my laptop for three years, just recording part over part over part i wanted to get away from that as much as possible and so both uh our our last several releases uh, son of man tiny fires and pillars were all recorded in a room playing at the same time and recording the amps on on a multi-track but you know we we'd go back and there'd be very few overdubs uh and we'd play it all at once you know it's not like we're playing uh, the chorus and then wait in, you know, letting the chorus have its spot and then going back and recording the verse on another set of tracks. And by the nature of, you know, cause it's not lockdown isn't entirely to blame because, you know, that was a long time ago at this point, it's 2023, you know, yeah. it was three years ago that the shelter in place warnings, were, uh, orders were put in and then 
you know, it's been two and a half years really of being able to get together and do things. But um, in the time that we were away, you know, people kind of had their own lives. And so we, there's some job switching that happened. Our, our Ben has two kids now. He had just had his first before uh, the pandemic hit. Yeah. And it, it just the, the, the situations that we're in, the schedules that we're in, it's become a lot harder to, we had finally gotten like a weekly band practice on the books. <laughs> Nice. At that point. That's not easy. No, we had finally done it and then lockdown came and now it's so hard to get everybody together. And uh, especially with the drummer that we were working with uh, when we were recording the record, the one that we has just left the band. Um, just it was so hard to get work schedules to line up with everything. And so uh, I recorded each part individually with each guy. And so we would you know, sit, I would, we would sit down one-on-one -on -one and, you know, kind of come up, come up with a part for the section. And then we'd record a few takes of that. And then we'd go to the next section, workshop <laughs> a few parts for that. And then we'd record a few takes of that. And then we'd go back and we did this for all of it. And so one of the things that it did was it gave a, um, an eye for detail that hasn't been there. Uh, there are a lot of times where, you know, we're, we had some marathon writing sessions before uh, we recorded Tiny Fires and Pillars in the same two weekends. Oh, wow. And and it was just this marathon. You know, we our friend Dave came up from Nashville and he, uh, you know, we set up in my office and the drums in the living room and recorded everything. Amps were in the guest room in the bedroom and, <laughs> you know, all scattered around the house. And we just slammed through this. And so and we had a month or we had a month or so where we were just getting together once or twice a week and learning all these songs and just kind of hammering through and some of them were i don't want to say rushed but they were uh there wasn't a whole lot of time given to each part well you know, yeah it, it could be, you're under the stress of constraints so it's yeah and maybe and maybe there's a little bit of like a session man sort of feel to some of what they were doing um but there, there are some things that, you know, I didn't really hear until I was on the record. And then I was like, what, Ben, what are you doing over there? <laughs> like, <laughs> what, is, what is that? Um, but so here, like, you know, it's, we're able to get, you know, feedback in real time for each part and then really, uh, really dig into that. And um, one of the other things that allowed us to do is I realized that, oh, I can do overdubs now. So mm -hmm. there's some more layers on here. Uh, there's some more synths. There's some more, there are some acoustic guitar tracks that are hidden in places that you might not expect it. Well, um, I mean, uh, when you add an acoustic guitar track, it makes all of the electric guitars sound that much heavier. People yeah. don't understand that, that idea, but like every really, really hard hitting, like from black Sabbath all the way up. Yeah. There's an acoustic track hiding behind that guitar track that Tony yeah. Iommi did not tell you about that <laughs> makes it that much thicker. Yeah. And it, there's an alchemy to it. Right. And so, um, and there's some other things in there. Like, so I, because the songs were maybe a little more lived in than the last couple records, uh, you know, there are more, 
more harmonies that I was able to just kind of pile on because <laughs> I had yeah. more time with it. Uh, it is our first record with screamed vocals. Uh, we we had asked Ryan, we'd reach out to Ryan to do the part on Spilt because I wasn't able to do that. I, I've listened to metal. I've listened to hardcore. I was never, I've never been able to do the thing. But yeah. then in between him doing it and then me trying to learn how to do it live, I kind of figured it out. And so there are some other scream tracks on there as well. And so nice. there are uh, finally some, uh, one of the other things that happened was uh, I mentioned that Me Without You is my favorite band. And for a while, I've been kind of self-conscious about that. They've been my favorite band the whole time this has been a band. And, yeah. I've, and there are some subtle and not so subtle nods to uh, what they're doing. Uh, I also, another, I don't know if it's an exclusive here, but uh, Pomegranate is basically just Carousel. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> down, I, I to get, the, down to the rhythm change, you know. It's, I get I get that, but <laughs> right. So um, but I've I've always had this weird sort of self-consciousness and like I didn't want to be like that guy, you know, like I didn't want to be like the me without you guy. And then I, mm -hmm. I saw them in Kalamazoo and their farewell tour, and then I realized, like, oh no, there's I am that fucking guy. There's no way of getting around it. <laughs> and <laughs> so there's uh there's a little bit of hollered vocals yeah. out there that I was like I'm going to I'm going to finally I'm going to finally throw this on here and they um, worked they yeah. worked really well yeah there's some uh saxophones that we threw on there Ben actually plays sax uh I think maybe before he played anything else um Brett and I are both in a ska band called Dad Jokes and Ben has filled in on saxophone before uh you know there's some you know, just, just other things that we were able to, uh, kind of pile in here, um, in ways that, you know, if we were just slamming out the songs in a practice room and then putting it to tape, it wouldn't have happened. And so, um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy with it. There is also like, uh, especially there's a song called measure on here that I wrote it on an acoustic guitar, but like without, intending to ever keep it an acoustic guitar part and so i went through probably you know 15 <laughs> to 20 different electric guitar parts uh that you know if i was trying to get it for the if, if i was just trying to slam it out to record it the next week you know it wouldn't have happened and so um it was just this uh this opportunity kind of to draw it out a little bit yeah. gave everything a little bit more attention, a little bit more space to breathe. And then, you know, figuring out where to fill that space with other things. And so that's fun though, because like to allow for, you know, creativity to have a place to breathe. Yeah. On a record, like that's, we have so many examples of that going really well. Yeah. I think I think uh, as much as I love the Benz, OK Computer is a great example of that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, disintegration is a great example of that. Man, yeah. And that's I've I've so <laughs> my my wife and my wife took the baby to Florida mm -hmm. last week on vacation, and I was like, all right, I got the house to myself. I get to do what I want, and what I, apparently what I wanted to do was just listen to the cure the whole time. And so I've listened, I was, I've listened to disintegration probably about 15 times in the last two weeks. 
which is more than my average. It's more than my average. Yeah. But there's something that I noticed about that record is that the parts that are in there, it's almost as if they took all the little melodies and lead lines that they were workshopping and then just included all of them. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of did. Which is just this fantastic you know because you you always want to think like oh yeah you got to edit you got to get stuff down but they're like no what if we do all and even to the point even to the point where some of the songs sound like they could have come out of some of the same demos you know they might they're different drafts of the same kind of song idea and then they just put it all on the record and just this incredible thing and they and right from the jump of the record like Uh, you're you're hit with this onslaught uh, that just is undeniable and it it starts out in a wave the album does like oh, the, love sec- it. Love it. the second the the the, the needle hits the record <laughs> and you're in it and you're yeah. in it there's no segue no. it's just no chimes you're dropped, you're dropped right thing. into it yeah but uh but speaking of editing we we did have to do a fair amount of editing on this because uh I said that the last thing that I wanted to do is to just drop a record of worth of songs to the band and be like, here are the parts. Uh, I I actually wrote a double record. I wrote enough songs to make a double <laughs> LP and was it, it, I was intent on it. I was intent on releasing it as a double LP, but uh, Rob was like, if you can figure out a way to make it cost effective at all, and you know so i i went and did a ton of research and it was absolutely not cost effective at all and so there there's a there's a fair amount of songs that you know will will likely make it onto later releases but uh this but in that in that kind of stripping down it's you know because everybody does that you know almost um, traditionally you would write 30 songs and come and then you just AFI, strip it down. Writes a, AFI writes a hundred for a 10 song record. My God. <laughs> you know, um, which arguably yeah. is it paying off? Isn't paying off with the last three <laughs> records, which I'm sorry guys, but uh, yeah. I, I loved them until I didn't anymore. But <laughs> like, it's the same thing with like, I love the Smashing Pumpkins, but yeah. this new record is a triple album. I know. I Something just... tells me just like with Melancholy, which half of Melancholy is fantastic, but the other half is so forgettable that, you know, I, I it leaves it left me wanting for Siamese Dream. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, ma- oh, ma- oh, no, I, I remember it. Um, I remember it though. <laughs> why, why, why double down when you could distill it into, you know, the half, like half the amount of songs that are twice as impactful. I mean, except they, they wrote like 70 more songs for that record. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And they came <laughs> and then out every, and then everything on, yeah. And then yeah. everything on Pisces Iscariot. And then, and then, and then, um, God, airplane, a, airplane, uh, yeah whatever it was called the box set man what what <clears throat> a what a lightning that's just lightning in a bottle right there well that's prolific but, that's yeah. just prolific but but no but this, you know but that's it's really the first time that we've we've done that there's always been songs that you know we wouldn't le- we'd leave off the track list and we'd come back to later but it's never you know we write a big bulk of songs and then just release eight 
of them because right. you know our songs are long and so they we have to cut the <laughs> they have to, there's only eight songs on this but they're all like seven minutes long i have to i have to uh commend you for that too because having played in like a lot of hardcore bands especially everybody has this rule like oh, if it's over two and a half minutes it's too long <laughs> and you know there's a big part of me that comes from like you know pink floyd and t-rex yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, let the song breathe. Let it happen. Yeah. What's wrong with the five-minute song or a seven-minute song? That's yeah. why I love Neurosis so much because oh, they yeah. have fifteen-minute songs that feel like you're in them for two. Right. You know. Yeah. Exper or, let let it be an integration again. <laughs> you know, or disintegration again. <laughs> let the song be an experience. Yeah. And and I, I'm never left you know, kind of like waiting for the song to end with you guys. Yeah. I'm all like, it always makes sense and it always feels appropriate. So I'm never, you know, kind of thrown off by sure. a time length. I, I, well, I'm, I'm in it for the journey because I, yeah. it's, it's a good experience. I like what I'm hearing. Appreciate that. And, and part of that is just because we're playing them so slowly. So. <laughs> you don't always have to play fast. It just has to be good. Our old drummer, there are a couple songs. So like, can we, can we speed the tempo up like 10, 10, 15 BPM? I'm like, no, man, come on. Like, let, let's listen you to some sludge metal and then yeah. you'll figure it out. Listen to Acid Bath, man. They're, they wouldn't go that fast. Listen to, <laughs> listen to Melvin's. Yeah. Listen, listen to Thou, you know. <laughs> it all comes back to the Melvin's anyway. So just. <laughs> let that happen let, let that wash over you they they got a, a full uh a major label deal in the 90s as well so oh yeah and that's another kurt cobain uh he <laughs> produced uh the record uh which he didn't produce he was there for two songs but <laughs> he was their roadie so i guess it makes sense there you go <laughs> but wow another another game changer you wouldn't have pantera without melvin's you wouldn't kind of makes it not worth it <laughs> you heard it here first folks um but you know there <laughs> like there's always that that uh that key you know what i mean that 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 yeah that sound that band that thing um who do you think that band is for you is it is it me without you well like, like um that, that's at the core the very because for me even though like every band i've played in with the exception of the one i'm in now uh is very aggressive very brutal very sludgy like the melvins like neurosis yeah. like godflesh uh but the band that or the two bands i should say that really are uh the impetus, the the zygote of, of what makes me me is uh, the Rolling Stones and sure. T Rex. Yeah, especially for my age, like that's, yeah. what, that's what my my parents were listening to. You know, with yeah. some the Doors and Black Sabbath as a backdrop, but it was really the <laughs> Stones and and yeah. T Rex. Um, and those bands have nothing to do with what I did, but they're right. still they're still there. They're still a big part of it. So I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like your younger yeah. self, your, your, your initial music nerd, who was he into? What was, what was his, what was his, uh, uh, addiction, his vibe, his band from you talking the earliest days, 
the earliest, the very earliest beginning. Days, very beginning. I really didn't care about music at all until um, there, there are two, two things. I didn't care about performing music or playing music at all. I hated music class in elementary school. Um, but then I had to take a music class in middle school. We were required. And so um, my middle school offered a uh, class called Piano Lab, which is basically just, you know, sitting down with a Kurzweil keyboard and uh, learning the grand staff and stuff. And, you know, within the first week, I had learned how to read enough of the grand staff to play Ode to Joy and was, you know, just messing around with the sounds on this keyboard, you know, playing it with, you know, different bagpipes and electric guitar and weird synthesizers and stuff. And as soon as I realized that it was something that I could actually manipulate to my advantage something that i could use to form something new um to express myself uh it just, it just opened up a world that i had not it opened up a language that i did not know existed and uh because again it's I, I, I came from a musical family but it was like yeah. oh like but music's like what my what my parents do it's what my is what my sister does it's it wasn't something that i did even though you know on hindsight i was you know always writing stupid little songs and messing around with whatever but yeah. you know my i came back from school from school that week and then my mom like took me to radio shack to buy my own keyboard and you know that's that's really where it went. But I really didn't care about listening to music. Uh, like I was still like listening to like CCM and Weird Al almost exclusively, up until uh, one night at youth group, my best friend Travis showed me Project Eighty Six, POD, and Zayo. Oh, nice, and, nice. And that was, I didn't even remember like if he, if he had burned the copies for me or something, or if he had his own copies that he played on the stereo and then like burned me the copies later, but it just blew me away. I didn't know that it could do that. Yeah. I didn't know music could do that. And so I, I chased that down and, um, you know, by the next year, I'd gotten into stuff like MXPX and Slick Shoes and the Ataris and post and pop punk like that. Yeah. Uh, got into emo around ninth grade and, you know, just dis discovered Juliana Theory and Dashboard Confessional and Further Seems Forever and which led me to Fugazi and Sunny Day and Jawbox and, yeah. you know, all all those. And, you know, at the same time, you know, I'm learning guitar. I you know, got a bass and then got a guitar and then, you know, I'm going back and learning, you know, Zeppelin songs and Hendrix songs and, you know, all, the, and, and of course, like the riffs that I think were just born innately knowing like smoke on the water and Iron Man. Like, I think everybody sure. just comes out of, you hand someone a guitar, they will play smoke dun, on the water. Dun, dun, like dun. It, you can't, you can't ignore that. And so right. it's just, it's instinct. I don't know what people were doing before that song happened, but, but in um, the same token, like it's some people in our age group, you, you play them like the Juliana theory, like the, the, the opening yeah. string, shut your mouth, man. hold your yeah. tongue, boy. And yeah. it's just like that. Oh man. Yeah. That was on a compilation. That was on yes, a, it was. Uh, tooth and nail volume or a penalty box volume four. And yep. It was like between the summer between eighth and ninth grade. And I was in my first band at that point. I was in a pop punk band called Superhero. And we didn't play any shows. I We barely learned any of the songs that we wrote. Um, and 
we mostly just like drove around with our older friend Kelly and listened to music in her car. And she had that compilation and that song just blew me away. Yeah. And so, you know, like, but just chase that down until, you know, till you got to Sunny Day Real Estate in Fugazi, <laughs> you yeah. know, which, yeah. which is where, where it came from. But, um, really if we're looking at enduring impact, uh, it, it'd probably be thrice, uh, in me without you, um, from an influential part. Cause thrice got to me a little earlier. Uh, I got a copy of illusion of safety when I was, uh, for my 16th birthday. Uh, and it just was this, cause that record is like a, it's a chameleon. Like it just, it is, shifts. It, it unfolds. It, is like the it's it's very busy in a maybe i'll say a good way um but it just threw so many ideas at me that you know was like i didn't know you could change a song this many times yeah in the course of a song and it's still the same song you know and so uh when artists in the ambulance came out um i was in my next band, uh, Dog Sees Nam, which is this band that I was trying to re-record that those old songs for. Maybe they'll come around. Maybe I I might finish those at some point. But um, in in Dustin Kensrue's voice ended up being, uh, especially the way my voice had matured at that point, and you know where he was, uh, it my voice broke up at like similar places, and so I was like, okay, like this. I can work with this. And so, you know, just trying to, um, really vocally, especially just trying to nail what he was doing. But when man, when Visu came out, Oh, and then alchemy index. And there are still times where I will actually today. Cause we, like I said, we have a, a new drummer that's uh, playing his first show tomorrow. I sent him a vibe playlist of like, all right, here's what we're doing in the band. And, uh, broken lungs from alchemy index is on there. Daedalus is on there. Uh, you know, there are, there are times where I joke that I just want to throw the water and air discs at the band and be like, this is what we're doing. Remember that. And so, um, you have to, yeah, I have to say like as much as I love everything that band did, there's something about Vesu. Oh, it's so that good. It, it's just the best thing they ever did in my opinion. And alchemy index is, intellectually probably the better vesu is emotionally the yeah. better record it just it's it's different things they're they're trying for very different things on each record and i can appreciate both of them for there would be are. no the band zeal and ardor for example oh man would not exist without uh that that field chant song that yep, they did on yep, vesu yep. Yeah, that sounds like a cross between uh, Ink and Dagger, Hot Water Music, and 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 like just a field chant. Right. Well, you know where Zeal and Arter kind of came out. Yeah. From, right. It yeah, was, I do. He was I, like four chan, right? Yeah, that four chan <laughs> thing where the people said racist things to him. Right. Like do an N word black metal band, and he was like, "Oh, really? Yeah, I, I think I will." Yeah, and he did it. That's the biggest middle finger <laughs> oh my god he throw. won he won that oh, was man. that was a, a checkmate if ever yeah. there were one yeah but but no but it's just um the way that uh 
especially from because I, I was a big music theory nerd and I, I took two years of music theory in high school and just like kind of obsessed over like prog rock and math rock and stuff yeah. back when ma math rock meant stuff like uh early cool hand luke instead yeah. of chan <laughs> when yeah, it meant yeah. like roadside monument uh instead of this yeah. town needs guns yeah um, don caballero instead yeah, of yeah exactly <laughs> yeah but so i was just obsessed with like these long extended chord like weird chord shapes and i I didn't play a core, uh, power chord in a band up until I joined a ska band. <laughs> like I was, I was making these, I was making different chord shapes up all the time and, you know, different meters and stuff like that. And, you know, even the stuff that's like weird, like in any of this outside of the stuff that's like, cause thrice is, gotten less quote-unquote experimental as they've gone on yeah you might say you might you might bring horizons east as an exception for that but even this there are so many times in even in like their more straightforward stuff where they're playing in odd meters but you don't notice it yeah where exactly. there are some songs on major minor where they're playing in seven eight and you're like and you don't notice until you sit down and count it out and just to that's a, a big aspiration for me to have something in there where you can do something like that, that feels natural enough that you don't notice that it's a weird, um, like a weird meter. So because it's subtext at that point, like yeah. the songwriting is so good. Yeah. That is an afterthought. Like, right. you, like you don't want the, the meter to be the thing. You don't want the time saying like, you don't want to be like, oh, look at me. I can, I can I'm, count. I'm nine. in the Dillinger escape plan. I can go. <laughs> yeah. Look at me. I can add a beat. Um, you know, you don't want to show off to that. Um, but, you know, it's, I don't know how they do it. I feel like every time that we try to do something like that, it's very obvious. <laughs> when we, when we borrow a chord or do a weird time change, it's, it's incredibly obvious when we do it. Um, but yeah, but just in the way that they have mixed uh, heaviness with melody in a way that isn't quite like, you know, it's not like a melodic hardcore sort of thing. And it's not like, you know, an Iron Maiden sort of thing either where, well, you no, know, to, to me, your heaviness always reminded me of something more akin to like explosions in the sky yeah. when they get crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, uh the more emphatic moments of like an okay computer because let's face it there yeah. are very heavy moments on that record yeah even In uh, even when you listen to uh kid a most of it is very experimental right but optimistic though that's the one yeah yeah that's exactly where i i see yeah like the heaviness that you bring to the table you know it's not yeah. contrived heaviness it's emotional heaviness it's not like i'm i'm detuning and and, and playing a baritone guitar and that's well, it it's just I heavy am, now yeah. <laughs> no well, even if you are but that's not i am the, playing a baritone guitar now but that's um, not the, that's right. not the, the uh the driving sure factor you know yeah, what i mean there, I, there's an I, there's an emotion to it i feel like we one of the big things like because every the loud soft dynamic is nothing new. No, the Pixies did it. 
Bixie's did it. Sunday Real Estate did it. Nirvana did it. It's yeah. it's nothing new. Um, and for for a bit, we were trying to chase that rabbit of like, let's try to get our quiet parts as quiet as we can, our loud parts as loud as we can. And then, you know, we're still, I think, trying to chase those extremes, but we want to make sure they're earned. Yeah. Uh, you know, and trying to find something where it's not just well, it's the chorus, so we have to turn the fuzz pedal on. Right. It's, you know, something else where there is a little more drama to it, a little more, uh, um, like you said, like the emotion, the emotion has to match it. Mm -hmm. And so trying to make sure that it's earned rather than uh, just thrown in there because this is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. We get now, loud here because this is where we get loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the heavy part. This is the mosh part. Right. Um, no, that we don't need that anymore. We have examples of that. What yeah. we don't have, we have examples, but not too many of an emotional uplift that necessitates a heaviness or, uh, mm. like, you know, a, a, a sonic exclamation point to an emotion. And that's that's what sticks with people. That's what will always resonate with people. That is why the song Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath will <laughs> always be the heaviest thing that ever happened on Earth because it, even though it, it is like almost Dungeons and Dragons style spookiness, yeah. <laughs> it's still a bunch of Catholic boys who are freaked out by the dark side singing yeah. about the dark side. Right, which is... I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because that is something that being raised in, you know, evangelical Christianity, you know, in youth group culture and things like that, I always tell like, oh, you don't you want to watch out those bands like they're always singing about the devil and whatever. And yeah. you know, and you know, Striper was before my time, whatever, but you know, the, not mine. You have, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you have these bands that are uh you know, getting like, well, we're going to get loud for the Lord. Yeah, we're going to make metal for the Lord or whatever. But then, you know, getting older and I realized and I I also am a, a newer comer to Black Sabbath. Only in the last probably five years have I really uh, dove into those murky waters. And the first time I heard After Forever and I am looking at my stereo and I'm like, I, I need to grab this record. Is Ozzy Osbourne telling me that I need to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord could and Savior? It be, could it be you're afraid of what your friends might say when when you heard they believe in God above? You should realize yeah. before they criticize that God is the only way to love. I it, I went to my stereo and said, excuse me, what is this? And then realized like, oh yeah, all those guys were devout Christians. Geezer Butler in particular who wrote those lyrics because he was mad at people thinking that they were Satanists. They were Iron, never, never Satanists. Never. Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden wrote number of the beast after one of them got, had a nightmare after Bible study, you know, uh -huh. Slayer, Slayer, even for all their stuff. Still even Catholic. For, Tommy Iria is a devout Catholic. Who's devout. like, I don't, I don't know why anybody would take that seriously. No, it's, it's <laughs> horror movie stuff. It's just, yeah. it's theatrics and, right. and it's effective, but yeah. it's also warning you against this stuff in right. all reality. But it's the, the sad reality is that 
evangelicals in particular have no sense of nuance or irony. No, and I, I, you know, I thank God that I, I was raised Catholic because like we did have the same videos where like ACDC means after Christ devil controls or kiss means (laughs) knights in Satan's service. No, it doesn't. They're just a comic book band, man. Like, come on, dude. I understand nuance and I'm seven. Yeah, I have all the Black Sabbath <laughs> records because they were my mom's, and she's the one who got me into Jesus. So, stop. yeah, you know what I mean? It. Like, it, it's just it's it. too much. Like, when I got yeah. into punk, when I got into punk, and we're talking about like my dad took me to see The Who and The mm. Clash opened, I was wow. a young kid, I was about like eight. Okay, I I was an altar boy at the time in a Catholic church (laughs) and I show up with my combat rock T-shirt on and, you know, I decided to shave nothing crazy, just some bullet burns into the sides of my head uh, because (laughs) I was a new punk. You know what I mean? I was I was the only punk in Avoca, Pennsylvania at that point, probably. (laughs) And and my priest was like, "Uh, you know, Peter. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to have to have a talk with your parents about your uh, hairstyle choice. I said, what? I can't be an altar boy because I have bullet burns in my head. I just saw the clash, dude. Like, come on. <laughs> like the good Catholic family uh, that yeah. my, my best friend came from. He's the one stealing out of the collection plate. Not me. <laughs> right. Yeah. But like, you know, that <laughs> these notions of, of, uh, you know, cultural, touchstones being uh precursors to some sort of fall from divinity or faith yeah are so far afield from the way things really happen money usually does it sexuality can do it uh if you're too tied up in your own Uh, right but you know like are, are are transsexuals like sending us to hell no no god made them not me not you right not any yeah you know like that's that's that's, yeah they're yeah. us. They're part of us. Let them right. be with us. And, and that's that's actually probably one of the biggest uh, guiding lights of the record was, uh, you know, because these are, you know, pandemic songs, I guess, for for uh, a lack of a better term. But, you know, because there there was more than the pandemic happening, you know, and yeah. so yeah, there the is going up crazy. Yeah, we had we had people who left our church because we wouldn't stop talking about racism after George Floyd. And it's like, what else? That's what everyone's talking about. Are we not supposed to speak to it? We have to as Christians. We, it's our job. Are we to not rail supposed against to, that? Yeah. And so there are, you know, and a lot of the division that I've had, and the 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 lot of uh, tension that I've felt with a lot of. Uh, friends and family members that I've been divided from uh, are largely just because I think that Jesus is saying different things about who the marginalized are yeah. than they do. And so I look at, uh, you know, my, my trans and queer friends who are terrified right now yeah, exactly. and see very clearly the helplessness that they have. And I, you know, say, you know, I, I hear the, the words of Jesus to, uh, to take care of the poor and the, and the lonely and downtrodden. And I see very clearly here they are. And then I have, 
people criticizing me for that because, oh, well, they're, they're sinning. And it's like, well, are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure that the measure you use will be used against you. Exactly. So, and but all, all of the examples that they use too against queer culture comes yeah. from the Old Testament, not the new. What's the Old Testament? Yeah. It's done yeah. because yeah. what was, what was Jesus Christ? He, <laughs> <laughs> he was like he was the prophecy. He 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 delivered on the promise, right? Yeah. Right? According yeah. to what we and believe. So the rest of it is is it's not that it's dead, but it's it's been rectified. Yeah. By yeah. birth. It, Jesus did not hate anyone. As a right. matter of fact, if Christ were here right now, where would he be? Not with straight white men. <laughs> Yeah, not no. with straight and, white men. He'd be with everyone else. Right. And so there's uh, the track measure that I mentioned earlier is, uh, you know, because because bits of that are all through the song, all through it, you know, spilt as, uh, you know, about things that I have said that I didn't think enough about in yeah. my own play, the own part that I played in, in these uh, these conflicts. And then uh, the single sinews that's coming out on uh, actually in a week from today, um, you know, is, is largely based on, uh, a, an argument I had with my, my grandfather over the Christmas dinner table one night. <laughs> um, and you know, but it's, there's a line in there is like, it's the same, it's the same page that you used to read to me. That's made me your enemy. Now it was like, I, I think these things because of what you told me yeah. about how to treat people about the heart of God, about who is value, how to value other people, about how to take care of the people in your community. And these are the people in my goddamn community. Yeah. Yeah. And then Measure uh, is probably the least abstract song I've ever written, um, which it was it was born out of a, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of immature to begin with because there is a, like an old, old school tooth and nail group on Facebook where uh, there's a discussion about um, you know, tooth and nail bands that have used profanity, Christian or Christian adjacent bands who have used profanity. And mm -hmm. one guy was like, well, I just think that's lazy writing. And I was like, listen, bud, if you have never been in a position where the only way you have to communicate what is the honest truth of your heart is through some R-rated language. Expletives. Then you have had a pretty naive sheltered life. And then I thought to myself, what would it take to get me there? Yeah. And so I, I, I started working on this song measure and it's, um, it, it's, it's the, it's the question of like, uh, you know, the, the kind of chorus that it has is like, God, you, you're good, but according to who, yeah. and when you say you're good, whose measure do you use? It's like, is it, is it this or that? And so there's the really, crux of the song is on the line uh, when we all cry out to help who vo whose voices do you listen to the lonely and the desperate as long as they acknowledge you uh do you cry when priests and senators do cruel things in your name or if you were here would you do the fucking same yeah which is i was super self-conscious about putting on there for a number of reasons musically i kind of <laughs> felt like it was maybe uh a little half-baked and you know culturally i was like I kind of don't want the people who would disagree with the song to come at me. <laughs> right. But <laughs> you know, I don't want to invite that. But at the same time, I know this is, this is important shit. 
vastly, vastly this important. Is, this is what we have to talk about, you know? And so, um, you know, it, and it talk, it mentions specifically, uh, gay kids and trans kids and, uh, what is our responsibility? Who, who is God next to in these situations? More them than anyone, in my opinion. I think so. If he's close to the brokenhearted, who is that? That's that's them. It's the people who are being it's targeted. People, and people, right. I, I'm just I'm so fed up with the idea that the uh, you know the the Christian ideal is this straight, largely white, uh, yeah. you know, abiding by these antiquated moral mores that yeah. you know no, no one's living by no one's living by them <laughs> right. i'm sorry guys yeah. um i'm probably by the measure of what the 700 club christian was <laughs> i am not matching up i'm not and nor do i want to my my brother is gay he's not going to hell so yeah. get over yeah. it uh, furthermore, is, is there is there a hell? No, <laughs> no, we're there. If there's a hell, to quote yeah. Nine Inch Nails, if there is a hell, I'll see you there. Yeah, here, and here we are. Um, this is as if it gets worse than this, then Satan. It really is Satan's world, but yeah. we have to remember biblically, this is yeah. Satan, Satan's world, right? Biblically, Satan's yeah. world, we're in it. The Prince of the Air. So once we ascend this, that's heaven. Right now, yeah. shit. So we're yeah. swimming. And, it, and and right, and the irony there is that, you know, it's probably here too. Like that's yeah. The heaven's here as well. You know, yeah. it's it's what we make it. And so we can either make uh this to be hell for every other people or we can make it the kingdom of heaven. We can because I, I see very little actually in the gospel about the afterlife i see very little priority on any of that i think it's almost anything i see about the kingdom of heaven is talking about here and now and yeah. our responsibility to one another to care for one another and to care for the marginalized who are not the people who can't say whatever they want without losing their jobs anymore <laughs> well think about it think about the fact that uh, our faith has been used to weaponize against women yeah. and their reproductive rights. Yeah. I'm so against that. Yeah. Like, uh, there's, there's the idea that you can moralize to a woman who has been a victim of rape, incest, whatever, yeah. that, that they have to do something with their bodies in order to be in, in accordance with a God that they may or may not even believe in or agree with. Yeah. You're not winning hearts and minds. You're yeah. not. You're, you're turning hearts and minds against you. Right. Uh, yeah. The best way Christianity was ever put to me was in my 20s when I had lost the faith at this point, okay? Because I, I had grown up Catholic. I was an altar boy. I was, mm -hmm. you know... I lost the faith in a big way, in a massive way. Yeah. And my friend Ryan, who was in the hardcore scene and was homeless and living in my living room because I loved the kid. <laughs> I, I still love the kid. He's doing well now, but uh, he was a born again Christian. And the first one that I had ever met that I liked 
<laughs> yeah. And I said, isn't your job to proselytize to the non-believer? He said, yes. I said, well, why aren't you doing that to us? Because you're just hanging out. We're smoking pot. Like I was doing heroin at the time. <laughs> uh, pretty religi religiously doing heroin at the time. And he yeah. said, uh, "My uh, the way I proselytize to you is I love you. Yeah. And I'm not going to preach to you. I just... Yeah. I love you and I love that you love me. Yeah. Cha changed everything for me because you can't force someone to align with, with a faith. You have to, you know, explain it to them. You have to show them that it is a viable option, that right. it is a place of love and a cradle of acceptance. Yeah. Which is, you know, constantly, working against <laughs> so many of the other self-proclaimed Christians around me, which is where I've been for a long time. You know, I've been, I've been deconstructing longer than we've had a word for it. It's, it's not new to me. Um, I, I I'm pretty comfortable here. <laughs> it's better. I'm, yeah. I'm so happy here because there's, yeah. I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not an asshole. I'm not an asshole. I'm not, I'm not a Trump Christian, which that yeah. man was never Christian. Sad to say folks. And it's the real thing is just how angry I am that people like that think how stupid they think we are. And that so many people are like, that's exactly how stupid I am. And they just don't see it. There's a, there's a very, very uh, large, deficit of discernment that I've yeah. noticed that people should be insulted, absolutely insulted at how little credit they are being given by the people that they are giving so much to. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, you have to look at it like having grown up in the nineties when hardcore kids were really running toward uh, the Krishna consciousness movement. Yeah. It was a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. the The Vedic faith is gorgeous, uh, in in its in its tenets and and ideals. It was never for me, but I I did appreciate it. Yeah, it's a very accepting place. And, yeah, and Christianity is too, if you fall in with the right ones who are just right. you know really embracing it and not heavy handed and 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 ingrained yeah. in some sort of like like uh uh almost like a, a corporation a corporate style christianity sure uh, oh, which yeah. is what most of the country's into um yeah, you, I, if, yeah just as a faith just as a movement as a feeling you're going to be more drawn to it because there's no preconceived notions it's just i feel good here hmm. yeah boom yeah <laughs> How that how that translates right. to your music is this um every time i listen to your music i feel good there's never a time where i'm like oh god i just want to turn this off or, or, or <laughs> let, like, let me skip this song so it's no wild mood swings <sighs> <laughs> do we have to talk about wild mood swings right now <laughs> that, I, that that is the I'll only take that's the only skipper in the whole, like even the self-titled Cure record. Robert oh, the self-titled is so good. It's so good. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's actually like the most like 
emo adjacent yeah. cure record because it is it's harsh yeah and and it's it, it's sparse it's almost like a yeah. god flesh record because it it, it has yeah. the the really cold sounds to it ross robinson who has produced some really terrible music has also <laughs> produced like and, you know and also glass jaw and at the drive-in and blood brothers and blood brothers and the cure and limp biscuit <laughs> and limp biscuit and uh, like yeah he should he should have gone after the deftones instead of limp biscuit but hey oh. no accounting for taste but um so it goes yeah so it goes but there's there's something really about that 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 feeling that yeah you know wild mood swings didn't do it didn't <laughs> grab it it didn't it didn't i don't uh, know what it grabbed it grabbed a lot of uh i don't know i don't know <laughs> I, I i don't even own it so but what you're saying is our music is better than that it's so, way better than that um and i don't know how familiar you are with this show and i, I will kind of wrap this up i don't want to keep you all night but yeah uh the entire kind of uh, conceit behind this show is I don't set aside questions. I just get yeah. into conversations with people and enjoy their company yeah. and find a reason to love them all over again outside go. of their music. But <laughs> I, I do have one question I ask yeah. everyone. And that question is this, what is it that terrifies you on an existential level? Uh, the rise of fascism in this country. <laughs> That's a. There is the rise of Christian fascism. It, well, the Christo fascism thing is is yeah. what really, really, you know, kind of is the rub, because there's no reason for it, and there's no like, and because it's fooling so many people. Yeah, because Hitler was Hitler a Christian? Nah. Probably not. No, no. Well, he was a, he was actually into uh, some really like crazy Odinist uh, yeah. paganism, which is fine if that's what you're into. But <laughs> if you're not trying to use it to to do a genocide, yeah, exterminate all of the Polacks and Jews. Uh, yeah. But you know what I mean, like and my, queer folks and queer Let's folk. Not forget that the Holocaust started with trans folks. It 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 started it started with queer folks in general. Uh, yeah. That that's the pink triangle flash on the yeah. arm, uh, and the crime the 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 scene of the crime was where my family's from Poland, mm. uh, but it was it was queer folks Jews and then just the he wanted to destroy Pol Poland for being an accepting nation, mm. but you know what I mean. There's there's yeah the idea that that fascism still has a place in the hearts and minds of people who don't even understand what fascism entails yeah we had the pleasure the the the, the you know the agency to have grown up in, in a nation where we're free we're really really free here there's some there's some really shitty things happening currently yeah, in, in this nation, but we're, we really do have a lot of freedom, in so far as like uh, the rest of the planet's concerned. We could be living in China or Russia or any of those other countries. We're in yeah. America. We have a voice. We have. I can wake up tomorrow and just do nothing, and <laughs> I can probably get by. Yeah, uh, you can't do that everywhere. 
Right. What do you have to be angry about if you're a cisgendered white person? Not a fucking thing. Nothing. You have nothing to be mad about. But they're the most angry, right? Why? I don't and that's that is fascism. Fascism is 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 run in this country by cisgendered white men who have nothing to be mad about. I guess my question is why? <laughs> and you don't have an answer either because what what are they? What are they? I lost audio on you, my friend. No audio. Nothing. No audio. I hit I hit a button. You hit a button. <laughs> uh oh no, it was I had um it looked like it muted on on purpose or on uh, automatically, but um my interface glipped out for a second. But oh, okay. Yeah. No, I think there's something to the notion that if you uh, are living in the privilege of not facing the same trials of everyone else, uh, when the correct when you when society tries to correct that, it seems like you are being attacked. And you know when you can't get away with, you know, saying the n-word or the f-slur <laughs> right. as much you know if, if you actually have you know consequences to your actions if you uh, are gonna lose your job for sexually harassing a woman uh or you know throwing a slur at a at a minority uh you know you it, you can pretty easily paint a paint a picture of a narrative where that information is twisted into uh, oh, they're coming for you. And when it's really just, no, they're coming for Harvey Weinstein. They're coming for, you yeah. know, the guys who have, you know, they're coming for the KKK, whatever, you know, um, they're coming for the cops who are literally killing minorities. It's whatever. But, you know, I, I tell you one thing, I hope that uh, Fox News gets sued out of to oblivion at this point. Yeah, yeah me too. I, I, I'm real hopeful for this lawsuit. <laughs> I, 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 f I feel good about it, but uh, something tells me I'll, I'll never see the end of Rupert Murdoch. I just, I, I know I won't. <laughs> Some people are just, they're, they're built to last yeah, yeah. for as evil as they are. But I, I, I think there's a lot of good still in, in yeah. this world, in this yeah, nation. Yeah. I have to believe there is. And, and it's, I think still a minority uh, a, a small minority that is trying to uh, destroy <laughs> the rest of everybody. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's so what, what I'm afraid what, of. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> but also I, I just want to say like, I don't often get to talk to too many people into the music I'm into making music that I enjoy that are also aligned with you know the faith that i hold dear yeah. and and i really appreciate it i'm glad that yeah. 
you align with faith the same way that I do, where we're yeah. very, I, uh, the, I hate to say liberal, but we're very liberal. You know, we're the, the, the very left, we're the very left of Christianity. Well, it's, and, it's the, it's the progress that I, I think Jesus brought. I'm, I've hold these positions because I, see, I don't see any other answer to follow Jesus correctly than to defend these people and to, uh, take responsibility for the earth and justice in these ways. I don't, I don't see any other way around it. <laughs> so well, I don't really I, have a choice. I mean, we're talking about the guy who said that it, it's more likely for a rich man to pass a camel through the eye of a needle than to inherit heaven. What sounds is like, that? What sounds that? like commie talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. And sounds like pinko talk. That's pinko talk. And I'm, 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 <laughs> here for it yeah yeah Give one clip. we're not we're not a christian band though just want to no no but <laughs> no I mean... it's a it's a joke <laughs> it's been a thing it's a it's a whole old thing but that's really a, that's yeah. really been like an issue i mean no it's just it's uh the i i don't subscribe to the idea that there is christian music and non-christian music I it's don't a, think there's a line there. No, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, really. But everyone's so people are like, oh yeah, this Christian shoegaze band. I'm like, mm, well, <laughs> that was, I, and as as you know, I, that was never my uh, sure. idea of what you guys were into. Like, yeah. you know, just it's just you're you're making music I like. There you go. Well, hope we can do both. I think you are. And <laughs> there you go. Uh, with that, I will leave you. But listen. I'm really looking forward to this record. And when you have something new coming down the pike, don't forget me. Yeah. Come and see me again because I yeah. really enjoyed this. I will do that. Thank you very much. It's been a, been a joy. Hope to see you again soon. Yeah, you too. Take care of yourself, brother. And you. Bye-bye now. Bye. And there you have it. My conversation with Nat Danger of Spaceships. Again, please head over to Friend Club Records. Please buy a copy of this album. Please follow this band on social media. Please go to wherever you stream music and download, listen, enjoy, let it envelop you. I love this band. I love this man. I really enjoyed this conversation. And I, there's, there's that line. If you were here, would you do the fucking same? God. So much power there. Just listen to this band. From all of us at 3.33 AM Studios. He's been Nat of spaceships I've been Peter you've been beautiful and this has been the book a very very bad things podcast take care of each other everybody have a great night bye now my own So when they say that you are good you
to home.